Welcome to The Kids Are Alright, the podcast that explores big global issues from a young and fresh perspective. I'm Gareth Lewis. And I'm Amber Miller. The Kids Are Alright was produced by a team of students interested in learning more about some of the biggest issues facing the global community. Hi, my name is Kate and I'm a 17-year-old student from Austin, Texas. As an American citizen, I grew up believing in and appreciating our First Amendment right, freedom of speech. I spent the past year living in Beijing with a Chinese family on an immersive study abroad program and experienced restricted access to social media and my usual news sites. I left China just days before the 30th anniversary of the Tiananmen Square protests and returned home to an outpouring of commemorative stories about what happened on June 4th, 1989 and articles pointing to China's censorship of its history. I decided to interview David Schlesinger, a longtime journalist, consultant, and expert on China and the media sector, to discuss how governments can control the media narrative and what this means for the future of free expression. My name is David Schlesinger. I'm the former editor-in-chief of Reuters, and I'm now a consultant. When I was with Reuters, I reported from Hong Kong, Taiwan, China, and then I went to the United States, where I ran the Americas region, And then I started to have global jobs, ending up as editor-in-chief. After I left that, I became the chairman of Thomson Reuters China, and then I went off on my own as a consultant. Okay, so just to sort of familiarize listeners with the topic, could you give a brief explanation of, you know, what is media censorship, what is the impact on the people, etc.? I think that one of the things we have to worry about is that Censorship is not always the old-fashioned kind. The old-fashioned censorship is a reporter who is required to bring his or her reports to a central office where some official says, yes, this can go out, or no, you have to change such and such. But more often what happens is that there is censorship after the fact, which isn't official censorship. It's more like Uh, you write a report and then the government calls you in and either says they're very angry at you or they threaten you with expulsion or they actually do expel you or they try to close down your organization. And that has a very big chilling effect. In many countries, there really is still uh, official type censorship where government organizations say what can be reported, how it should be reported. uh, And then they also have that after-the-fact censorship as well, where if somebody does something wrong, they'll either be fired or fined or imprisoned or all those things. The thing is that there's always going to be a huge spectrum of people. So there will be some people who are always going to be suspicious of their own government, no matter what they read in the paper, no matter what they see on television, no matter what they hear uh, on the radio. They'll, They'll always be suspicious. They'll always believe the worst. Then there is another group on the other end of the spectrum, which will always think that no matter what the media says, no matter whether there's censorship or not, that the government is the best thing in the world, and they won't believe a word against it. And then there's going to be a huge block of people in the middle. And it's that block of people who are probably most affected by censorship, because if they're not naturally positive and not naturally negative towards their government, then they will be influenced by what they read, what they hear, what they see. And if those reports say that black is white and red is green, they will believe that. And over time, they will think that that is actually the way things are, and they won't 
question it. And so it's, it's really that big mass of people in the middle who are most affected by it. There will always be some people who will never believe the censored reports. There will always be other people who will always believe everything that they read. But then there will be people in the middle who will be swayed by reports that are twisted or changed by government. So what do you think the impact of media censorship is on government transparency and sort of citizens' feelings of their government being transparent with them? Well, the real problem is that when the government starts to meddle in the news, that means that the news organizations then either are forced to or feel they are forced to do things which hold back on their job of holding the government to account. So let's say that I know about corruption going on in the government. If I am not allowed to put that story out, then the public never hears about it, the courts never hear about it, and the people who are involved in the corruption do it with impunity. So I, if, if you believe that the media has a very important role in holding power to account, in revealing things that the government doesn't necessarily want to have revealed, in telling the truth as the media organization sees it, then censorship gets in the way of that. Censorship puts a wall between the truth seekers, the journalists, and the truth demanders, the public. And it means that the reports never see the light of day, the reports never get out and people can't find out the inner workings of their own government. So do you think that media censorship is getting increasingly difficult for governments to do with sort of a more connected world and there are more ways to evade media censorship? I wish that were true, but I think it's not. I think all you have to do is look at China, which is probably the best example of a country that has used the new technologies to actually keep a tighter grip on media to see that the situation is, is, if anything, getting worse. So what China has done is it's basically created an internet within an internet. So that within what people call the great internet wall of China, you can't get Facebook, you can't get Twitter, you can't use Google, you have to use the Chinese equivalents. And then you add to that the fact that the Chinese media is very much under the control of the central propaganda authorities. And you add then to that the fact that social media within China is controlled and regulated and censored, and that the reports that the government doesn't want to get out are taken down instantly. Then you can see that no matter the, uh, all the new technology that exists, it is possible to actually insulate yourself quite effectively. And China's not the only one. So uh, the new technological situation has developed new tools of censorship, new tools of control. And I think that there will always be this, this arms race with some people trying to use technology to get freer and then governments using technology to actually exert more control. I think that a lot of people have the misconception that media censorship is really only a problem in countries like China and Russia. Um, but could you briefly talk about some of the laws in the European Union, in Australia, in you know, countries that we consider more westernized that also censor the media? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's really a question of definition, isn't it? Whether you call it censorship or whether you call it uh, media accountability laws or things. But I worry that governments the world over are trying to use legal means to control the media 
a lot more. So, for example, even just, uh, say, the uh, European laws about the right to be forgotten. In theory, it sounds quite nice, right? Why, why should something that I did as a 20-year-old haunt me as a 60-year-old? If somebody writes something that uh, I consider to be wrong about me, shouldn't I have the right to have that expunged from media everywhere? So in the, the theory behind it is, is, is quite a, a nice sounding one. But in practice, I think it is a means to really go against people who are trying to do investigative journalism, uh, a way of allowing wrongdoers to hide behind this wall of quote-unquote privacy and the, and the primacy. I consider that a problem. President Trump has said he wants to actually revise the American libel laws as well. And the, in a way that's quite threatening to the press. Trend is actually towards governments trying to exert more control, more control of the narrative, more control of what the quote-unquote facts actually are. I think the trend is not actually a very good one for the media or for free expression. So talking about America specifically, do you think that Trump's treatment of journalists and sort of media bashing, everything like that, do you think that that borders on sort of attempted media censorship? In a way, I think it's worse. It's worse than censorship. What it has done is it means that people don't know what a fact is anymore. It's normalized this idea that everybody can have his or her own version of reality, whether that means believing that Martians can walk on Earth or believing that uh, uh, guns don't kill people or believing that uh, glaciers melting aren't a sign of global warming. It's, it's this idea that there are no facts and that there are no truths. I think that's, in a way, worse than censorship. Censorship actually grants great status to the media. It says, what you do is so important that I'm going to try to control this. What, what's happening in Trump's America is, is, is worse. It's basically saying, this has no value whatsoever. None of it is real. None of it is important. So uh, no matter what a newspaper reports or a television station reports or an investigative reporter uh, putting years of experience into it is reporting, don't believe a word of it. And my worry is that a lot of people are actually swallowing that. Now they don't believe anything from any source. David Schlesinger is a news professional whose life mission has been to understand and convey world affairs to the public. He thinks that the government control over the media and public distrust in news is a serious threat to the future of democracy. After speaking with David, we decided to reach out to someone who has been personally affected by censorship. His name is Zhou Feng Shuo. I was a Tiananmen student leader 30 years ago. I was most wanted nationwide and later put in prison for a year. I came to the United States in 95 and um, now I'm working with um, Humanitarian China, a nonprofit organization that I co-founded in 2007. So will you just talk a little bit about your experience with media censorship when you were a Tiananmen student leader? In 1989, there was no press freedom in China. But at that time, there was a lot of reflection on China's past, for example, why Cultural Revolution. So there was this push even within the Communist Party for more freedom on the press, on people's uh, expression overall. So in 1989, when the student movement broke out, that's one of our 
first demand is to ask for freedom of press. After the massacre of 1989, TNN, its history, and everything associated with it has become a topic for censorship. So everything that happened in 1989 and June 4, for example, uh, it's censored. This is one of the most uh, long-lasting facts today on the internet and in the space of free speech around the TMN and the memory of the truth, the fight for justice. It's very sad that the communists of China, they could use all the modern technology basically to erase the memory so successfully that the, the whole younger generations of China would have no idea of what happened in 1989, 30 years ago, in China's capital. And when I went back to China, I was not quiet. I was calling for open discussion. Mm. The truth of 1989 to be told to general public. When you went back to China, you were trying to sort of spread the truth about the history of Tiananmen. How are you sort of personally trying to evade media censorship in order to get people the real facts? I am still active in the United States uh, on human rights issues. I co-founded Humanitarian China. Our mission is to provide humanitarian support to political prisoners in China and to promote uh, um, freedom of expression, rule of law, and democracy. Uh, in China. Of course, my own name, everything, uh, my history is censored uh, in China. Only s selected articles on me by the government are allowed uh, to show. And of course, they're all critical of me. Well, to me, it's a lifelong battle every day. Uh, my very presence uh, reminded people of 1989. And uh, uh, because of this paranoid or pervasive censorship. People see me as a, a threat uh, to their convenient way of complying with the censorship. Next, we turn to two young people, Curry Wang and Garrett Wilson, to hear their views on the difficulties of sorting fact from fiction and the responsibilities of the government and media. Curry is a Chinese national currently studying in Canada and Garrett is an American student and photojournalist. Have you had any experiences where you've sort of learned one thing or been told one thing in China and through the Chinese media, but then you've seen international media that said something different? Yeah, of course. I mean, this situation actually happens a lot, especially for international students. I mean, once you get out, the, get overseas, go, go into another country, you hear different things. You hear about what government says is pretty much how, yeah, it's different from what outside world would say about it. From the inside world, we have to keep it as a balance for the society. We have to keep the peace, kind of pretend that we don't know about the truth. From outside, I mean, from outside, the perspective will be objective. But there are some also criticisms, which sometimes can harm the development of a society or even a country. Garrett spent the last year in Rennes, France, following the Yellow Vest or Gilets Jaunes movement and working as an intern at West France, a French news outlet. 
I asked him if he ever felt that protesters or police were not welcoming of his presence. The police officers were not accepting at all of the journalists. You know, they, despite people wearing shirts and helmets labeled press, clearly they would group us in with the protesters. They were violent if you tried to take photos of them, uh, tried to take videos of them. The protesters were as well. The first weekend when it was peaceful, protesters were much more open to like being interviewed and having their photos taken. But as it progressed, protesters in response to that were very um, hostile and violent towards any media. You know, there were several times when people would come up and chase me, try and attack me while I was taking photos, watch them do it to other journalists because they, you know, they didn't trust the media. They said no more media because they felt as though interviews and photos were getting skewed to make them out as uh, violent, which they were, but not including their, what they saw as their justification. So in the U.S., like I know that as Americans, we are sort of proud of the concept of free speech and free press and everything like that. But do you think that with Donald Trump as president and sort of his reaction to a lot of the media, do you think that that right or that sort of concept is getting a little bit muddled? Definitely. I think that the concept of free press still exists, but what the press is reporting has become skewed. You know, since Donald Trump is elected, you've seen news sources kind of choose one side or the other, whether they move further right or further left. I think that the concept of free press and neutral press is, as far as the government is concerned, it's still there. But as far as the people are concerned, what journalists and news agencies are reporting is becoming further and further from the truth by their own choice. If there's one thing I've learned from speaking with Curry and Garrett, it's that even with censorship and political polarization, there are facts out there. Brave individuals like Joe have devoted their lives to spreading the truth. As news and media consumers, it's up to us to be selective and responsible. And with that, I'd like to close with some advice from David. Let's concentrate on what the facts really are. Get them out without fear, without favor, and then Worry about the commentary, worry about people's opinions separately. But facts really are sacred. Let's believe in them. Let's try to get them out openly and fairly. You've been listening to an episode of The Kids Are Alright, brought to you by Podium.me and News Decoder. We hope you tune in for our next episode on animal agriculture.